If you could please uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. You can find the words on the screen. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love one another deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, if you are in year five to seven, please head on out to the library where you'll find Jason and Jono. Thank you, JK. Well, uh, I remember once speaking with a missionary who worked in Pakistan and he said that one of the things, at the time at least, I I have no idea if this is still the same, this was some time ago, uh, one of the things that surprised and almost confused people uh, from Pakistan when they would come to a place like Australia is that everyone has one of their own lawnmowers one of their own drills, their own high-pressure water cleaner, their own etc., 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 right? Because there, if, you, if, if someone in the street has a lawnmower, then nobody else needs to buy a lawnmower because if you want to mow the lawn, you just go and get the lawnmower from the guy down the street. Like, it, you just share it. And, and to them, it seemed crazy, almost wasteful, that we would each have one of our own. Now... I don't say that to kind of critique our, <laughs> our owning of things, uh, but to highlight that we here think a particular way and it's, some, it's quite different to other cultures. And I think really the reason that we do this is, is not that we hate our neighbour, it's not that if our neighbour turned up and said, hey, could I uh, use your lawnmower, we'd say, no, <laughs> you must not touch my cheap Ryobi thing. Um, but right? It's not that. It, it's just that we, in our culture, value self-sufficiency. It's considered to be important and significant that we are able to take care of ourselves, to be utterly self-sufficient. And there's something to be said for being... to taking responsibility and taking care of yourself and sort of not sponging off people, as it were. But you can see, if you start to think about it, that self-sufficiency can harm community. It's not that we do it deliberately, but like one of those rides that you've perhaps been on and at least seen at a, at a theme park where you, it's like a 
kind of glorified merry-go-round where you have the, the chains hanging down and then a seat and you sit on the seat and the thing starts to spin up and as you do, the seats slowly spin out and hopefully not too far if they don't go too fast but the, the forces just spin you out. Well, so it is with self-sufficiency. What tends to happen with a culture of self-sufficiency where that's highly valued is we get spun out of community. Now, we already saw last week when Phil came and he talked about the need to gather so that we can serve each other up delightful gospel food. That, that community is important. And this week, as Josh said, we're looking at give, the giving of ourselves to one another. And so again, we're going to see how important it is, community is for us. As it says in verse 10, as we use our gifts to serve one another, community is essential. And Peter, Peter gets to the use of our gifts, which is a sort of why we're talking about that today, because it's Serve Sunday. But he sets up first the preconditions, if you like, within the community, the attitudes, the mindset, so that we can use our gifts well to serve one another. And so that's what we're considering today in this little section of 1 Peter. Now, before he even says any of that, he starts with another statement in chapter, sorry, in verse 7, and he says, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober, of sober mind, so that you may pray. Uh, he, he is saying this in, in, a, in the context, I think that starts all the way back at chapter 2, where he, st he started to tell uh, the, the people he's writing to in light of the gospel how they ought to live for Christ, and, and now he comes to this here, it almost seems a bit sort of out of place, and yet it's important for what he's about to say. The end is near. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago, <laughs> The end being the return of Christ is near, says Peter. Uh, is he confused? Well, no, this is the Bible. It's not that he's confused. What he's saying is this. All the things that needed to happen for Jesus to come back, that is, uh, the Messiah to come the first time, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, the gospel is being preached among the nations. All of these things were, were necessary so that Jesus can come back and begin the new heavens and the new earth. And he says, he's saying, all of those things have happened. In, in that sense, from his perspective, the world is ready. He doesn't know the time and the date. Nobody does. Christ will come like a thief in the night. But in that sense, his return is imminent because it could be any moment. It's near in that sense. Now, the fact that there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth, that one day Jesus will return and remake everything anew. Uh, that ought to change the way we live. The fact that that could happen any moment, that really ought to change the way we live. Right? If, if, I, if you said to me or I said to you, hey, did you remember that you're moving in a week? And you said, oh, yeah, 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 I, I know. I, you know, it'll happen. And you, you were doing, like there was no boxes in your house. You'd not called a removalist or... I'd be sort of somewhat concerned because the fact that you're moving ought to change the way you live. The fact that we are moving from this earth to the new earth, uh, new heavens and earth, uh, ought to adjust the way we think about life. And here Peter says, be alert, on the lookout, don't just sleepwalk through life, be alert 
and of sober mind. So, be alert but not alarmed. That was the terrorist warning, wasn't it? Be alert but not alarmed. Watch out for people leaving backpacks everywhere. Apparently, that was the main thing. Um, Be alert. We're not sleepwalking through life, but don't, don't run around like a crazy person either. Instead, he says, so that you may pray. Be aware that the end is near, be alert and, uh, 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 and sober-minded, so you can pray. Okay, why? Like, what, why does that follow? Well, um, really, the, the, what, what comes next explains to you why Peter wants to tell us to pray because the end is near. Uh, and there's, there's sort of a command in verse 8, there's a command in verse 9, then there's a command in verse 10 which gets kind of split into two sections in verse 11. And the way I'm kind of uh, thinking about this this morning, uh, verse, verse 8 is to, and 9 are preparing the soil for the plant which is serving one another, which is in verse 10, and then by the end of verse 11, we'll see the fruit of that serving one another, or really of the whole thing. So, uh, verse 8 and 9, we're preparing the soil, verse 10 uh, is serving, and that's planting the plant, and verse end of verse uh, 11 is the fruit. Uh, you can see that I'm an expert gardener from all of that. Um, well, what is it to prepare the soil ready for us to serve one another? Verse 8... Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love one another deeply. Above all, says Paul, so this, uh, Peter, sorry, this is of supreme importance. He's, he's given a whole stack of commands all through this section. But now, above all, love one another deeply. Why? Well, for it covers over a multitude of sins. What is that talking about? It's not saying that sin doesn't matter. So, Jesus came into the world to deal with our sin because God won't sweep sin under the carpet. So, sin matters and certainly there are sins that immediately need to be dealt with. Deliberate disobedience against God, rebellion against God, ongoing persistence in that kind of thing. And and there are verses in the New Testament uh, about correcting and rebuking one another and there are times to do that. However, there are also verses, for example, when Jesus speaks, uh, he talks about removing first the log that is in your own eye before you try and remove the speck in the other person's eye. Now, the implication of that, if you think about it, is, is that you have to leave the sin in the other person's eye uncorrected for a time because you're working to take the massive log out of your own eye. You see, as a body of believers, there are sinful habits, there are sinful ways of thinking, there are are just sinful things in in the life of us because we're sinful people, we're not perfect yet. Uh, We all have issues and the question is, how do you deal with that? Do Do you... immediately correct everyone all the time as soon as you see the thing that needs to be corrected. Well, Jesus says, no, sometimes you have to let it go. And how do we do that 
Well, Peter says we do that through love. Now, th this also includes, love can cover a multitude of sins, also includes that when someone asks for forgiveness, we, we forgive them, that's also love. But, but as, a, as a parent, you, you almost certainly already do this, if you've been, or you've been a parent. Your child is growing, you can see faults in them. It is not good for you to, to just pick on every little thing that they do. You say, well, no, they'll grow out of that. I'm going to direct them and, and so on, but I'm not going to correct every little thing. Spouses, I'm assuming, I mean, you can tell me later if I'm wrong, but uh, I'm assuming that most spouses here could list a few things that their spouse does that isn't perfect. I mean, I'm just guessing, right? You live with a person for a little bit, you, you learn the things that they, they maybe do wrong. Now, there's a, I'm not saying we don't care about that, but... You, you can't have a relationship with another human being who is sinful and not see things wrong and you can't just bring that up all the time. Same with friends and, and so on. And when we love people deeply, we will be willing to be patient with their faults. We'll be willing to trust that God is working on them as He is working in us, that God deals with people's sin even as He is dealing with our sin. I am not saying we never ever say anything but we, we choose our moments and we try and be as helpful and patient and gracious as God is with us. It's too easy, you see, when we get annoyed at someone in the body of Christ to turn around to them and say, well, look, you shouldn't be doing that because you're a Christian. And, and maybe that's true. <laughs> but then we use that as a stick to beat them over the head with. And we justify our anger toward them because they're a sinner. And Paul's, Peter is saying, no, no, no. Love them. Love them enough to be patient with them and with the process that God is working in their lives. For this side of heaven, we need to be patient with people. Forgive them. Overlook offence. And wait for God to work on them. To do otherwise will be to tear apart a community. Well, that's, that's the first thing, if you like. That, here we're, we're breaking the ground, we're getting ready to plant, I think that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, we're loosening the soil up a bit, we've dug it around, and now we're going to throw in some fertiliser. We're going to get it ready to plant. Verse 9, uh, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This, uh, this has to be one of the most practical uh, and sensibly minded verses <laughs> offer hospitality. Notice that it doesn't say uh, make people come to your house, you know, get your gun out and say, look, you're, I'm, I'm offering you hospitality, you better, you better turn up. No, offer because it's up to them whether they accept or not uh, and without grumbling because people are difficult and, and if you offer hospitality often, uh, it might become difficult. Now, for some of you, it, it seems almost as though it's never difficult because I know how good you are at having people over to your house and offering them hospitality all the time. You often have them in your home, you're kind to them, you're gracious to them, you provide for them. Um, even when they're difficult uh, uh, people, you still do it. I, uh, that's wonderful. That, that's, in a sense, exactly what this is talking about. It's not only talking about that. There are lots of other ways to show hospitality. In a sense, when the women's ministry happens on, on Saturday, they'll be showing hospitality to one another. They'll be welcoming people in and making them feel at home and showing them love and concern and engaging with them and learning about them and so on. 
that, that, that's a form of hospitality. We do that when people come into our church and we welcome them well. We show them hospitality. When you invite someone out for a coffee or a walk or whatever, when you involve yourself and involve them in your lives and you show them love and care and concern, you are, to a degree, showing hospitality. And, and, and Peter is saying, do that. Do that for one another. And do it without grumbling. It can be difficult at times, it takes sacrifice, you have to put yourself aside, but don't grumble. Now, you can see why I've said that this is like preparing the soil. We haven't got to serving yet, but here is a community which is patient and forgiving and loving toward one another, a community that is is deliberately seeking to get to know one another and to build relationships with one another and to connect with one another uh, over meals and in coffee shops and, and however else. This is a good community. This is preparing to be able to serve one another. And I don't think... I mean, none, nothing that I've said so far is particularly astounding or rocket science, and yet it's so easy to neglect, isn't it? It's so easy to get angry at people when they sin against us or when they're annoying, when they do things that we don't like or whatever it is. It's so easy to neglect meeting together. Uh, I'm not naturally hospitable. I need to work on this. It's, uh, it's not easy. And, and you can see already why Peter might have said that we have to pray. Because even just preparing the soil is not easy work. Uh, you, you could go out from here and you could say to yourself, well, Jono, or Peter, or God, whoever you want to say, uh, told us we have to be hospitable, we've got to be really forgiving and loving, no matter what, um, you know, if people are super annoying or whatever, and, um, and so I'm going to do that. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get stuck in, I'm going to do it. Well, there, there's something to be said for that. I'm, I'm glad if you think like that, but the problem is, in about three weeks' time, you'll be worn out, you won't be able to do it anymore, and you'll be like, I can't believe John, I said this. How, how dare he tell me to do this impossible task? Well, yes. That's right, it is an impossible task if you try and do it on your own. So pray. Pray. Pray that God will give you great patience. Pray that God will give you a forgiving spirit as you have been forgiven. Pray that you will love the people around you deeply enough to walk with them even in their sin so that they can grow and you can be a part of helping them grow. Pray that you will be willing to put aside the things in your life that you might want to do so that you can spend time with other people and get to know them and build community and spend time growing this body of Christ. Pray. It, it won't happen, not long term at the very least, unless you ask God to do it in you and in us.
Well, now that the, uh, now that the soil is prepared, as it were, uh, Peter goes on and in verse 10 he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, there is, there is a whole lot packed into that one little sentence. Let me just highlight a few of the things. So, each of you, each of you. So, every one of us has been gifted by God to serve His body, the church. And, and it could be wider than just this church, but in some way or another, God has gifted you, each of you, not some of you, each of you. And whatever gift could be read in the English to kind of mean, maybe you do and maybe you don't, but no, it's, it's, it's everyone. And notice, in its various forms at the end there, that is, the gifts that you have are not the gifts that I have and not the gifts that someone else has. Now, this was, this was brought home very clearly to me as Lisa was preparing her wonderful little room. She, I walked in there one day and she said to me, oh, can you see the different, the different colours and how they're all nicely set out? And I sort of went, um, look, there's, there's like beige, I don't know if I, I'll get the names wrong, and then there's, there's caramel and then there's coffee or something, I don't even know, it's something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now look, I'm sure it's great. It's, it's wonderful. And there's green chair as well. Don't forget the green chair. Um, the, the thing is, if I tried to put that room together, it would be a dog's breakfast. And that's just reality. Like, if I was to try and do that, it would be an absolute dog's breakfast. Just go up to my office and you'll see what I mean. Um, now, that's okay, right? In its various forms. My, my, my giftings are not anything to do with colour, nothing to do with colour. I can see them, but that's about it. Uh, and my, or, or graphic design or all kinds of other things. In fact, my gifting is not hospitality. I said that a second ago. It, hospitality is an interesting one. We're, we're told multiple times throughout the New Testament to all do hospitality, but there's actually, uh, in the list of gifts uh, in one place hospitality is listed as a gift as well. So it can be that there are things that we're all called to do. We're all called to speak the Word of God to each other, as we saw last week. We're all called to do hospitality. We're all called to show love. But there are some people who are particularly gifted in those ways. But we're all different. We all have gifts, but we're all different. And all of these gifts are given to us by the grace of God. They're not something that we've earned. They're not something that we've done because we're super clever and awesome and wonderful. They are are a gift of God. What are these gifts? Well, basically, they're just abilities or skills that we had perhaps before we were believers, perhaps some that come to us after we believe in Christ. Uh, But either way, they are things that are transformed and shaped um, by the Spirit in working in us, uh, and often, I would say always, accompanied by a passion uh, to do the work that God gifts us to do. We'll think about that a little more in just a second. But notice, finally, in this kind of packed-in verse here, that we are stewards of God's grace, that is, of the gifts that are given to us. So the gifts that, are, that God gives us are given to us, but they're not ours. 
A steward is someone who cares for someone else's property and makes sure that that property is used and taken care of in the way that the owner wants it to be used. And indeed, all of our resources, all of our strength, all of our energy, all of our gifting, everything that we have as human beings in this world are given to us by God, uh, but given as, so that we are stewards looking after the things that God has given us to use to His glory and to His honour. So, Peter packs all of that in to that one little verse. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received from God to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. But now he, he splits the kind of gifts into two broad categories. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Uh, He splits the gifts broadly into speaking gifts and serving gifts. Now, speaking gifts are clearly what I'm doing right now. Uh, It's what JK was doing earlier, but there's lots of ways that that can be as well. It could be uh, in counselling, in small groups, in pastoral care. It could be done in youth ministry. Whenever we are bringing the word, the gospel, uh, into people's lives, we are exercising, in some sense, speaking gifts and, and some will do it uh, in small ways and others, like I am doing now, will do it in bigger ways. Then there are serving gifts and I guess that's really just everything else uh, and there's, so there's a much broader bucket of, of gifts, uh, helping, each of us, helping other people um, in the life of the church in, in lots, of, lots and lots and lots of different ways, whether it's in the car park or uh, producing materials for people or... Uh, serving tea and coffee or the, or a barbecues or going into people's homes and helping them and like we could just go on and on and on. There's so many ways that you can serve. And many of us will do things from multiple categories um, but probably you're more gifted in serving or speaking, probably. Now how do you know? How do you know where your gifts lie? Well, as I said, your gifts are, in many ways, just what you're good at. Uh, But it's also where your passions lie. So, just as an example, it could be that you are passionate about seeing people who come to the church welcomed really, really well. You want them to come in, you want them to feel comfortable, you want them to know what's going on, uh, you you want them to meet people and and be enfolded into the body, right? You, You want all those and you're passionate about that. But, of course there's lots of people who would be involved in that. And you, and you could think, well, uh, maybe you're good at speaking. And so you might think, well, maybe I should do what JK did this morning and I should welcome people and encourage them and tell them about what's going on. That's, that's one way. But you might say, no, 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 no. I'm not standing up the front. Okay, well, maybe you stand out the front, at the, not this front, but that front, at the front of the church. and Because you, you just love chatting with people as they come in. Okay. Same thing, same, same aim, different ministry. 
But maybe you say, well, I, I, I'm just, I, I really want that to happen, but that's, that's not me. I don't think I could do that. Okay, well, maybe there's other, there's other ways to serve in that ministry that's more if my, like in the service bucket. Uh, maybe you just want to be the friendly face, the smiling face at the gate as they come in. And you wave people in, you don't have to say too much, right? <laughs> but you're waving people, you're directing people, you're helping people out. Or maybe you're really good at graphic design or, or uh, writing stuff down so that people know exactly what's happening, the little booklets and pamphlets and stuff that we... Right? Or maybe you're good at following up, making a phone call. You see, there's lots of different ways that you can serve with the same passion and the same aim, but you're using the different gifts together with the other parts of the body to, to achieve that aim. And you might say, well, I still don't really know where I fit. Well, that's okay. The best thing to do is to actually try it out. Uh, th this isn't a sprint. Um, you don't need to find out where your gift is tomorrow. Uh, in, in a year or two, right? you, you can try stuff out. And, and because we are a body uh, who is forgiving and we are a body uh, who, who loves one another deeply and, and we're getting to know each other, if you try something out and it doesn't work, that's fine, we don't care. Uh, try something else. Go and speak to one of the leaders at the back uh, after the service and find out where you could serve and, and give it a go. The question though is, will you be a faithful steward of God's grace? Uh, go and read, if you're not sure, Go and read the parable of the talents. You know, the one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. We will be held to account for the way we've stewarded the things that God has given us. Uh, so this, this is important. God has given you gifts for the good of his kingdom uh, and we need to be faithful stewards of God's grace as he has given it to us. Look how, look how though, uh, Peter says for us to use these gifts. He says, that he who speaks should speak as the one who speaks the very word of God and the one who serves uh, should do it with the strength God provides. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean if you're doing any kind of speaking, say someone's coming into the church and you say to them, look, welcome, but I just want you to know I'm speaking to you the words of God right now. No, please don't do that. Uh, no. No, it's, it's not that uh, we need to declare to everyone or, or maybe even just hope that we're speaking the words of God. What, what Peter is saying is if you're going to bother to speak to the church of Christ in any significant way, you you need to speak these words, not your own words. No one is going to be benefited if I or Phil stands up here or anyone else who preaches stands up here and tells you our wonderful ideas or our subpar ideas for that matter either. It, that's not helpful. The, the words that you need to hear are the words of God from his word. And it's the same, really, when it comes to serving 
with the strength God provides. Now, again, this is not a, an indication that you should never do any service until you feel something, right? Power f- coursing through you or something like that and then, oh, now I'm ready to serve. That's not what that means. In the same sense that what you uh, need from me is not my words but God's words, uh, because it's not about me, when someone serves, they serve in God's strength when it's not about them, when they're serving for the honour of Christ and they're serving for the good of the people and they're serving in reliance on God and they're serving in the end with humility. Both Lisa and Karen mentioned this and it, it was so awesome that they said, humility, this is what I need and it's true, this is what they do need because if you try and do it in your own strength, if you try and make it all about you, if you try and uh, make it all about how, showing how gifted and incredible you are in your ministry, in your service, then you'll be doing it from your own strength and you won't be doing it, as it says here, to the glory of to the praise of God, I should say, at the end of verse 11, to the praise of God. To serve in the strength of God means to be relying on Him and saying, God, I can't really do this without you. I'm serving here and it's difficult. It's difficult maybe because of my life circumstances. It's difficult because of the ministry itself. It's difficult and I need your help. And again, we come back to where we started, prayer. This is why we pray because we're serving in His strength, we're trying to speak His words and we can't possibly do that without Him at work in us. What this means is that we are not self-sufficient but dependent on God. Now you might say to me, hang on a minute, uh, Jono, all I'm doing is waving people in at the gate, all right, I'm not terribly overwhelmed by that. All I'm doing is pouring hot water into a cup with a tea bag. Not terribly overwhelmed. Now, I'm not denigrating either of those ministries, by the way. But, you, but uh, you, you would have to be in a really bad place in life, generally speaking, uh, to be particularly overwhelmed by doing those tasks. I think you'd have to agree. So why, why would you need the strength of God to serve <laughs> tea or uh, at the barbecue or whatever, right? Why? Well... Actually, that comes when we get to the fruit that we're, we're supposed to be growing. And that's at the end of verse 11. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And then he can't help himself, to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. But this is the fruit of your service whether you're serving tea, whether you're standing up the front, whether you're in youth ministry, whether you're uh, doing whatever, welcoming, right? Whatever you're doing, we are doing it to the glory of Christ, to the honour of God and, and Christ, to their praise so that people will go, isn't God awesome? We serve with His strength so that people say, isn't God awesome? We speak God's words so that people say, not, oh, Jono, you're awesome, but isn't God awesome? We want people to to see God and be amazed at Him and He deserves it. I mean, He didn't just overlook our sins. He didn't just sort of say, oh, it doesn't matter that much. He came and dealt with sin at the cross, a terrible instrument as Josh prayed, 
a terrible instrument and he suffered and died to deal with our sin. He deserves our praise and he doesn't just offer us a, a hospitality or to make us feel welcome. He is preparing a place, a room in his house for us to live with him forever in glory. You see, he, he is doing everything. He deserves our praise. This is a heavy task and it is only made heavier by the, the very first words that we read, the end of all things is near. Friends, we have a limited opportunity on this earth to bring glory and honour to God. Soon we will all pass away, whether Christ comes back or we die, soon we will all be gone from this earth. And God's plan is for us, as a loving community, who show hospitality to one another, who serve one another with our gifts, who, who do that to bring glory and honour to Him through the community of Christ. No matter what we're doing, and that is a heavy task. And so we pray. And so we ask God to help us because there's no other way to serve so that he gets the glory. We have no hope of honouring him or bringing praise to him unless we are utterly reliant on him in our service. But as we live as a loving and intertwined community that speaks God's words to each other and serves with God's strength, he will be praised. He will be glorified as we await his return. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would help us to love one another deeply. That we would be willing to overlook an offence. That we would be ready to forgive. That we would be patient with one another. For Lord, we are not perfect. And Father, we pray that you would help us to show hospitality, to spend time with each other, to grow in our relationships with each other and so have opportunity to serve one another with our gifts. Whether it's here on a Sunday, during the week, through official ministries or in many, many other ways that we might serve. And Father, we pray that as we do those things, as we use the gifts that you've given us to, to steward, as we do it with your words and with your strength and not for ourselves or in self-sufficiency, that you would be glorified and honoured through us. That the way this community loves one another and shares life with each other and serves one another would shout the glory of Jesus Christ that you are a God who came to serve and not be served and give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, help our ministry and service to one another to declare that to the world that you might be praised and honoured through Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Mm -hmm.